Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm really excited about today's guest. She is truly helping to build the future through her organization. And I know even just from our one conversation that we completely agree upon what is needed to help formulate success for young women and girls moving into professional careers and into the workforce and even really just through life. So I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. Kelly Fair is the founder and executive director of Polished Pebbles Girls Mentoring Program. It's an Illinois Gold Star rated mentoring program that enhances the life skills, career readiness, and leadership ability of girls and young women. She's also the author of They're All the Same Girl and Every Girl is a CEO. Kelly's an award-winning social entrepreneur and a sought-after speaker who advocates for girls, women, mentoring, and workforce pipelining. Since launching Polished Pebbles in 2009 in Chicago, Kelly's signature communications and job readiness programming has expanded from elementary age girls to include high schools, college programs, families, prominent women leaders, and to sites across Chicagoland and then in Northwest Indiana, Dallas, Texas, and North Carolina. Polished Pebbles has worked with over 5,000 African-American and Latinx teen and tween girls, has provided over 500 mentors in hundreds of schools, and has raised $2 million for partnering schools and communities. Over $2 million, I should say. Please come on in for this electrifying conversation with Kelly Fair. I cannot wait for you to meet her. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today, I have a very special guest and someone who I definitely think thinks along the same lines as me when it comes to entrepreneurship and mentorship and women in it all. So I have today Kelly Fair, who is the founder and executive director of Polished Pebbles, which is a mentoring program based here in Chicago designed to educate and teach and further young women as they move into adulthood and leadership roles. And so, Kelly, welcome. I'm so excited that you are here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, too. (laughs) Of course. So you have taken on a very big responsibility with the formation of your organization, because not only are you educating and sharing knowledge of your own, but you are doing it to young women. And Mm -hmm. I definitely think you, you, you know, and understand how impressionable our youth is and how important it is what you are doing. So I would love for you to kind of take us through how you got started with Polished Pebbles and why. No, you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think these, like you said, these founder stories are so 
important, um, particularly, you know, because it really gets into the midst of, you know, the mission sometimes behind the work. And definitely that's behind the mission of Polished Pebbles. Um, but I also think some of our personal mission, too, because you have to constantly do these assessments like, wait a minute, this is really hard. Why am I doing this again? <laughs> so I think, you know, not only the mission of the organization, but also your personal mission has to be really aligned and always kind of at the forefront that keeps you in the work and keeps you passionate about it as well. Um, so for me, I started Polish Pebbles really because I had been a girl and I had been a young lady and a young woman who had been mentored by other successful women. Um, and so it was very much a part of my development. And um, I'll, I'll go back to tell my story about me as a girl and kind of building through some of the skill sets. But around, I started Polish Pebbles in 2009, but one of my most impactful mentors um, had passed away in 2006. And her name was the Reverend Dr. Linda Shepherd. And she taught me once I got out of grad school a lot about programming for girls, programming for women, community organizations, community programming, and why this is so important um, and how to connect people and how women miss so many opportunities to connect, to fellowship, to network, to support one another, and that that trickled down into girls as well. So when Linda suddenly passed away in 2006, just really kind of felt a need to keep the women who had been a part of a lot of our groups, organizations, girls mentoring programs to connect it. And so I started Polish Pebbles as a way for this network of women to still find constructive ways to give back to girls within the community. Um, so we started off with just two girls at the first meeting. Um, I knew both of them. <laughs> um, but what was so powerful was it was a room full of 20 plus women who had showed up to be a part of this group mentoring experience. And so we decided to put our heads together, came up with some recruitment strategies, and then decided how do we continue to grow this and strengthen this as just a monthly second Saturday group mentoring program, we did just that. We reached out to local schools. We started to get more girls at that second Saturday group. But from there, um, the program grew because schools found out and said, hey, we'd love for you to come talk about this program tomorrow. And then, hey, by the way, do you want to make this an after-school program? So it really grew from just those two girls to a group of 20. And now uh, it'll be our 13th anniversary. Um, Later this year, we have served well over 6,000 girls throughout the Chicagoland area, um, Northwest Indiana and Texas. And then we also had a college edition of our program at Duke University, serving young women of color who were undergraduate students. And so uh, we've been in hundreds of public schools, public charter schools, public housing communities. Um, and so um, it has really grown substantially since that point. Um, but really, it was just out of the need to keep a community of women together connected to the work. And um, personally, mentoring, like I said, means a lot to me because I was a girl who was mentored very early on um, in my career. And so I'd love to chat a little bit further about. I was just going to say, I want you to share mm -hmm. your why, because there's yeah. a reason why you did this. And, you know, I and I and I think that all of us, no matter what we're founding, has a personal why and and a personal connection to what it is that we're doing. So I would love for you to go into a little bit more detail sure. about that. 
So, I mean, I think from an organizational standpoint, you know, my mentor, Linda, had mentored me a lot in just organizational development, starting groups, getting them going. So that came really naturally with Polished Pebbles. My personal why on top of that passion of just convening folks and creating um, things is I know girls need mentoring because I was a girl who got mentored and needed it. Uh, when I was in third, fourth grade, you know, the primary grades, I love school. Um, I love being smart. I like raising my hand. I was proud that I jumped from fourth grade math to fifth grade math before <laughs> it was time to do so. Um, but then I transferred to public school in sixth grade and my self-esteem took a nosedive. I mean, it's rough being the new girl and the new cliques. And, you know, the research says that's not uncommon for any girl from any community, any background about sixth grade. Unfortunately, girl self-esteem and self-confidence takes a nosedive. It takes a hit. And so um, the piece that really kind of made the difference for me um, as a Black girl and now as a Black woman was Essence Magazine. So at the time, Essence Magazine was really the only space and place that you could find um, media that was for uh, just for where you could find any images of Black women just for Black women. And so um, I loved getting Essence Magazine every month. I was the first one to grab it from the mail slide in my family. And just to see the Essence women, they were bold, they were beautiful, they were dressed great, they had great families. Um, and most importantly, they had careers. And so um, I was about 13, getting ready to go to high school that summer. And my mom said, well, you know, what you want to do this summer? You want to get in a day camp? You want to go get in a program? And I was just like, girl, I want a job. <laughs> because in my mind, I was an essence lady and essence women are career women. So it's let's let's get to it. Let's get this job. And at that time, I wanted to be a cosmetologist. And so I, you know, thank God, you know, my mom advocated for me in such a way and didn't shoot down my dreams, didn't say that that was stupid. And I often tell kids there were no smartphones back then. There was a thing called the Yellow Pages. Yep. <laughs> and she flipped through the Yellow Pages and found the Least Beauty College, which was on the south side of Chicago. Um, great black owned Dudley's Beauty, uh, Beauty College, Beauty Hair, Beauty Products. And she called them up and told them about me. The director then was Betty Clawson, the director of Dudley's now is Betty Clawson. And she said, bring her down. And they interviewed me and I was as nervous as can be. But they allowed me to come and intern for two half days a week down at Dudley's. I didn't get paid anything, but I was so excited and so happy to be in the mix. I had this ugly little uniform of a dark blue polo shirt and this white skirt, but it didn't matter. And I did whatever they asked me to do. I swept the floors. I put hair gel in clubs. I cleaned closets. I They let me shampoo um, somebody like on my last day. And I understood why they never let me shampoo earlier. Because when I turned on the water, the water was all over the place, you know, but <laughs> it was just, it was the mix. But the most important thing they let me do, Lindsay, is they put me on the cash register. And so it really was a space that it broke me out of my shyness because there is no room to be shy when women have been standing in line to get their hair done and they don't have time for this little girl who doesn't know how to speak up and find her voice. And the women at Dudley's mentored me and they said, look, you got to speak up. 
you know what polyester is, you should wear a polyester skirt versus a cotton skirt because it'll lay down nicely. And then they encouraged me and said, I know you're interested in cosmetology, but are you still thinking about college? That's important too. And so it really just started me on a path from there throughout high school, throughout college and even grad school. I had really strong female work supervisors who took an extra interest in me and mentored me. And that impact um, was just, you know, astronomical on my life and my personal career and success. And so when I got an opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to start Polish Pebbles because Linda passed away. I want to keep the women together. What do we focus on? What do we do? I said, let's make it about communication and let's have a strong career pipeline because those things really matter to me. Um, and then, by the way, you know, I also had been in and around education at that point for over 20 years um, as a marketing um, executive at McGraw-Hill in the educational publishing space. I was a speech language pathologist um, on top of it. And so um, communication skills meant a lot to me on top of being a shy girl who found her confidence. So those kind of became the ingredients for how to put it all together and how to make it work. And Polish Pebbles Girls Mentoring Program was really kind of born from there. I just want to take a minute to say thank you. In just a few short months, this podcast has reached some incredible milestones, namely helping so many of you. From founding, growing, and selling my first company and now helping others to do the same, so many of you trust me right here on the podcast, but also through my classes, my one-on-one programs, and my social media. Your belief in me is so appreciated, and now I can help you to grow your own personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, and more. Just click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Grab 30 minutes with me. We can chat, connect. I'd love to get to know you and your business and perhaps even have the chance to work with you. Thanks so much for being here. You said something that I thought was so interesting at the top of the story. You said about the first time you had a Polish Pebbles meeting that 20 women showed up to help and only two girls. Yeah. And I, I share that and want to shine a light on that because I think that there are so many people out there who do not think that they can get the help that they need or the mentorship that they deserve. Mm-hmm. And that is an example of that not being true. And mm-hmm. I, I firmly, firmly believe that there are so many women out there like you, like me, who want to pay it forward, who want to share their knowledge with others. And so I want to shine a light on that because were you surprised when that happened? Like, I mean, was that something that you were expecting so many women to raise their hand and say, I want to help? You know, to be honest, I, what was powerful was that mentor, Linda, that had kind of started programs. And then when she passed away, suddenly she really helped me unleash the power and see what unleash power there is in community when you convene folks and when you create the space and create the opportunity, people will show up to serve. And so um, I wasn't because that was at that point how I had been trained. What I honestly think, Lindsay, is that, you know, even with being Chicago based and people see everything negative about what's happening in Chicago, the violence in Chicago, the challenges with youth in Chicago. You know, I think there's a lot of people sitting at home, citizens in the area who are tired of seeing that 
on the news and want to do something. And so Linda kind of taught me, and I see it as one of my talents, that I love to convene and create spaces and places for people to impact young people. So I think when you provide the platform, provide the opportunity, provide the motivation, um, and provide the training, the people will show up. Um, so I, I do think that that matters. I got another story I love to tell about my great grandmother. I told in my first book because I think some people think that for a variety of different reasons, they couldn't and shouldn't be particularly a youth mentor. Um, so I think some people do count themselves out, too. But I think a lot of people want to be active and be participatory. It's, I feel like my job, as much as it is my customers or girls, of course, I really feel like also one of the key stakeholders in our world of Polished Pebbles are the people who want to volunteer and support, whether that's working with a girl, whether that's providing professional source resources and services, or even donating. Um, but I think people do want to do things, and we just have to create the space, the place, and the opportunities for them to do so. How do you harness that community and put it out there in a way that it's cool to the young women who you are targeting, because, you know, there is, there is something about when you're, you know, when you're ages seven to 17 and, and what's cool and what your friends are doing and, and you want, this is cool. You and I know this is cool, but to a kid that, that might not understand that yet and why they need this, how do you harness the community and the the amazing women who are say, raising their hands saying, I want to help and translating that for these young women so that the young women want to show up and want to be there and want to gain this amazing, incredible knowledge that you are putting forth every day? You know, I think people underestimate how much um, that it really doesn't always take that much to kind of engage young people. Um, I think that we underestimate how much how impressed they are that people care that much about them to show up, um, particularly people that don't know them, don't know anything about them. And so there's automatically this magic and this anticipation there when we say, hey, when you come and become a part of Polish Pebbles or become a Polish Pebble or you're an every girl CEO, um, there's this whole network of women who are invested in supporting you. And so, I mean, it's really, and again, we're business women. It's a pitch. <laughs> it's a commercial. Well, um, and I ask that as the mom of two girls who, you know, are always like, yeah. well, who's going to be there? What friends of mine are coming? You know, and they're always so concerned. And, and I try to, um, you know, institute this notion in them that it doesn't matter. And like, right. you need to do what is best for you and what you're right. interested in. You know, that is what the conversation right. we have in my house, but that's right. where that question comes from right. Um, right. for me. No, I think that's part of the conversation as well, because I think one of the things that's important investing in this, these generations of young people is that there's not always going to be an immediate, uh, 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 you know, benefit that you can see is somewhat down the line because they're so used to immediate gratification from the internet, from social media. Um, let's be honest, the way a lot of our programs are built at this point now um, as well, give a lot of immediate gratification. So I think we have to do a lot of work to kind of build the value of how we can build you in the long term. But also, I just think it's important to say there are some people here that are giving some of their time. They're invested. They want to meet you. 
They're looking to connect with you. And it's important that you be present to have that connection. And you'll be amazed at how much they'll be there. They'll gravitate towards it. They pay attention to every detail. How does she dress? What does she wear? Are her toenails polished or not? And many times girls will often as they're so engaged and kind of gaga over some of the guest speakers that show up or places that they'll take, will take them, they'll say, so why did you decide to do this? <laughs> they'll grill new staff members. And so, again, I think that they are amazed and feel very impressed that people want to invest in them. And you can see that that, that interest and engagement is there. So, yeah, sometimes it's a pitch. Sometimes it's talking about the long-term benefits. Sometimes it's a little bit of a push. But when they get in the room and they allow you allow the young girls to be with, like I say, the big girls, because we're nothing but big girls. And I think the important part is to make sure that the guest speakers and the mentors show up in a certain space and we train and prep them. So yes, tell us what a day in the life of your job looks like. Um, talk about the, the, the fun times the hard times, the people you don't like, because a girl's day-to-day life in school is the same way. Um, But also talk about your family, Um, do some show and tell. So, I mean, I think as we prepare those things, it's it's a pitch, but it's not that hard of a sale. People want to be with people. I also think this is interesting too, because sometimes people count themselves out of mentoring and doing things with youth because they think, oh, girls only want to see young women. Untrue. Kids like grownups. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. Um, and sometimes I've even seen it in my business where sometimes chronologically mature staff uh, come in and sometimes my chronologically less mature staff think, oh, you know, girls won't want to hear from them. No, girls want to hear grownups who have accountability, have something to share with them. You know, I've heard girls say, when are we going to learn about womanhood? You know what I mean? So they want to hear and they're looking for that. And that's really truthfully their expectation. So I think more often than not, girls are ready. I think sometimes there's more work we have to do on ourselves (laughs) to go ahead and be there to show up. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you also, you think about the like the naivety, right. Of like a a girl who's showing up, like they just, they haven't experienced what you've experienced, what I've experienced. It's, it's, they're coming with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh perspective. And they're nervous. So sometimes what looks like a funky attitude, resistance, I don't want to do this. It's because they're scared out of their minds. And particularly a lot of the girls that we serve, you know, throughout the city, Chicago, South Serbs, South Suburbs, um, you know, some kids may have not left the four to six block radius of their homes and they may not see a lot of investment in their communities through, you know, abandoned schools, through not a lot of businesses, not a lot of opportunities. And so when you start talking about we're going on an experience to see some things outside of that space, um, that can be a very terrifying experience. So they're caught in a hope gap. <laughs> and that's what a phrase we like to use in polished problems, really comparable to the gender pay gap, the gender leadership gap. These girls experience the hope gap. So if there's not a lot of hope and evidence of such in your home or in your community, it can be a very terrifying thing or seem like a myth that people care about us. People want to see us. We're going where? So, you know, you with years of experience, you kind of understand that that's some some of what's behind the way girls show up in a space. 
So obviously things have grown tremendously since that first day with 20 women and two girls. What can what can a girl expect who shows up at Polished Pebbles today? Like, what does it look like? How is it laid out for them? Um, what is the programming like? Like what, what, like, sure. if I, you know what I mean? Like, if no, I, were to come, I think it's so important to show, to show and to tell our listeners kind of how this has progressed because you've really done an amazing job. Well, thank you. No, I, I think, you know, it can look like a couple of things, a, a couple of different ways. The majority of girls, I think this school year we have served in the past year, 1,300 girls just this year um, in, in, in 50 schools and sites. And so most of those girls know us Monday through Friday as a school day or an after-school program in their schools or in their communities. Um, and then we have a couple of other extra programs. So when it comes to Polish Pebbles, there's four core programs. That one that I expressed, you know, is a school day after school program. That's our core social, emotional learning and mentoring program. So girls can come and convene with, it could be for tween girls or teen girls. So we work with fifth to eighth graders and also with teen high school age students. And it can be a program that shows up in their school. And usually it's about 15 to 25 weeks. We go through and work through a variety of different things, you know, uh, communication in every sense of the word, basic stuff like, can you introduce yourself to someone new for the first time? And in Polished Pebbles, we call that shining. And we want every single Polished Pebbles to be able to demonstrate that. And girls often call shining because it's an acronym, S-H-I-N-E, the perfect formula for the perfect first introduction. So S stands for smile. H stands for saying hello or sometimes giving a firm handshake. I stands for introducing yourself and giving three facts about who you are. N stands for nodding your head because it's polite in American culture. And then E stands for ending the conversation. You know, do you want to say, hey, Miss Lindsay, thank you so much for coming out and visiting Roosevelt Elementary School. We love learning about your job. Can we maybe one time be on your podcast or could you come back again? You know, it's just helping them understand it's really important to be intentional about that. So it's stuff like that. Goal setting, vision boards, dressing for success. How do you represent yourself to the world via social media? And then they start going through our career readiness um, curriculum as they're building up for the culminating event. And a culminating event is a job shadow at one of our partnering businesses. That business could be across sectors, across retail uh, industries, where retailers like Bloomingdale's, Blue Cross Blue Shield, the Hyatt, uh, construction companies like Mailhouse or Trice Construction. Um, we have done just about uh, uh, entertainment companies like Let Us Entertain You or the 5050 Restaurant Group. And so we they get to go meet mentors in those particular businesses, dress up for the day, see what it's like to put their communication skills into practice and see how they can put all the skills that we taught them into practice in a day in the life of those particular businesses. So that's like our core program. Other kind of key programs that girls, this is summer now. Um, so we are gearing up for the CEO Girl Summer. And so we have girls that participate in our Every Girls and CEO Summer Work Study Program where they get paid to learn career readiness skills. Our Mommy and Me uh, business program where moms and daughters come together and learn how to build their own business plans and pitch them in a polished public shark tank at the end of the summer to earn seed money. And then we have our pink hard hats initiative 
um, where girls get a chance to get exposed to careers in the construction industry, the trades, um, and also in manufacturing as well. You know, those industries that are not well represented by women, but there's lots of money and opportunities there. And we want to make sure our girls know very early on about those opportunities and find ways that it's of interest to them to be prepared for those careers too. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. I love everything that you are doing. And as the mom of two girls, one who is a tween, she's going into sixth grade, I cannot express the importance of the SHINE acronym more than, I mean, really and truly, like that is the backbone of everything that you just said. Like all these other opportunities really come back to those interpersonal skills. And our kids are getting so lost on technology these days. You know, that is something we are working on in my house every single day. I mean, I like literally would love to sign my kid up for your program because they need, they all need this information and this knowledge and this leadership. I I mean, really and truly what you're doing is amazing. And to then prepare them for a career by letting them shadow is, it's just, it's amazing. Like really and truly what you're doing is amazing. It's kind of a throwback to the take your daughter to work day, um, back from the eighties and nineties. Cause I was one of those girls that I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how I heard about it, but I did. I was just like, oh, we're doing this. (laughs) I think I told my dad, I was like, so I'm going to work with you. I don't have to go to school, you know, and it was the best thing ever. And so for us with Polished Pebbles, we work to create that experience for a community of girls whose parents don't have those kind of careers that they could afford to take their daughters with them to work. And so we, you know, very see it as an opportunity for us to have that level of impact um, you know, on the girls with, you know, being able to get that level. But it is so important for them to show up at those opportunities with those interpersonal skills that you're teaching them first and foremost, you know, and those are the skills that carry you through life, you know, through any, (laughs) through any situation, whether it's sitting down with a new person in the lunchroom or interviewing for an internship later on. I mean, those are the, the back, those skills are the backbone of, everything you need to succeed in life. And so it's, it's so important. Conflict resolution, you know, all of those things. And so, you know, it's just that opportunity to talk about how important it is now. And, and, and they're tuned into it. I mean, it's not too many kids in the United States of America 
that don't want to live a certain type of lifestyle and they recognize it takes some level of employment to get there. So people used to think I was crazy when I would talk about, you know, career development for girls and goal development for girls. And it's just like, are you crazy? And absolutely not, you know, because these skills are so critically important to make them successful in every area of life. And then when you think about certain industries like construction, you know, um, the trades, they got to learn STEM skills and fall in love with STEM early on, like in third, fourth, and fifth grade. So if we don't talk about it earlier, you know, society makes girls feel like, oh, that's not for us. That's not a girl thing. So if we don't get in there early enough to allow them to explore and get turned on by these opportunities, we could lose them. Um, well, and I was going to ask you that. That was one of the, mm-hmm. act- the things that I actually had jotted down was I would love for you to share a little more light on like why it is so early to start teaching these skills so young, because you know, I, I think to your point, like it does get lost and, yep. you know, we're teaching kids in school to standardize tests. We're teaching to, to them to achieve certain numbers, but we're not always teaching these core skills that are imperative to succession in life. Yep. And you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's important for like, you know, like I said, just the one of the reasons I mentioned earlier where, you know, kids have to learn to fall in love with science and math. Uh, one of the electricians that supports our Pink Heart Hash Initiative, she said, we need more girls to fall in love with math earlier on. Um, so I think starting early is important for them to understand why to take more advantage of school, the academic subjects, and the impact and the preparation that that has on them long term. Um, I'll go back to the hope gap. It's important for a lot of girls. And I don't think it just has to be there's a hope gap for girls that just come from more underserviced, impoverished communities. Um, I think there's a lot of times a hope gap for a lot of girls where we still place a lot of limitations on girls and women as far as thinking about what we can do. So the earlier you can have these conversations and allow them to see a cross section of women. Here's another thing that I think is important to Lindsay and men. We need male allies as well who are affirming for girls that, yes, this is important. Yes, you will work with me. Yes, it's not a lot of women, but you can be here. Um, Where that becomes normal for them, it's not a big deal. So it shouldn't be. No, you and I know that it shouldn't be, but for some people it is. Right. And so, you know, and then when you think about all the other things that some kids may be dealing with that make it challenging just to show up and function, you know, what some people would determine to be typical anyway, whether it's the trauma that they're dealing with in their communities, you know, so so many social emotional learning skills and coping skills are critically important to couple with the career development so that. The kids are working through those things and then in a place to also think, uh, you know, very effectively and impactfully about these other kind of career opportunities to think more long term as well. So it's never too early. Society still says girls can't do, shouldn't do. I was just listening this morning about I think Amy Schumer was making a comment about how she and some other comedians feel like to be successful. They still have to dim their light. So if we're still talking about shrinking and being less than um, to be successful, and these are grown, successful, accomplished women, (laughs) then, you know. What does that say to our youth? Come on, come on. You know, and we're always, I I always think about it too. I always have to check myself and some of the things that I involve myself in or push myself in as the leader of the organization, because I figure I've got staff that are watching me. 
that are younger that are picking up on what what could or should not be. And then we got girls and they're always watching. Um, so it's it's important to, to think about that. You mentioned um, a little bit in the beginning about, you know, how there's a, an instant gratification right now with our youth, which is definitely we all are aware of, of the need for instant gratification. But you also mentioned that when you had your, your first internship at age 13, that you did whatever they asked you to do. And I, you know, when you think about those two things, the instant gratification and the doing whatever they asked you to do in today's world, those two things don't really mix because mm-hmm. a lot of our youth sees things online and thinks that you can just get them and thinks okay. that it, it and thinks that it's instantaneous. And, you know, a lot of our youth from seeing things on social media sees the success, but not always the path to yeah. get there. Yeah. And I think it's really powerful that you said that because how do we instill this notion in our youth that it does take time, that you don't come out of college, most likely with a six-figure job, that Mm. you might have to work the register or wash someone's hair like you did at age 13, Mm. and Mm. that those are really important skills to have as you're setting yourself up because I think that's a really big challenge with our youth and also as a manager or a leader with younger employees today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, in the thick of a lot of that right now at the moment as well. Um, and then I have to do all these checks where I'm just like, am I old? Am, am I getting old? Is that what it is? <laughs> you know, but I think that one of the things that I value in leadership is transparency. And so, you know, you can talk about the levels of work and rigor that will be involved in them achieving the different milestones that they would, whether that's the middle school milestones, whether that's high school milestones, um, whether that's the early professionals, that's what I like to call them, those milestones. But when you're transparent, too, about the challenges that you're still working through, growing through, the amount of work and grind that it takes for you on your behalf, where they see you in this light, but need to see you sweat a little bit. Um, I think it's important. I think it's important for them to see you sweat. It's okay if you cry and you break down a little bit and they see you make mistakes and you fall because then it gives you uh, kind of that credibility and that skin in the game with them to say, yes, this doesn't stop. Um, I gave a commencement speech a couple of days ago and the the, the class wanted to talk about be true to yourself. And I'm like, well, here, then as you grow and learn, you will learn that you will have to be true to the fact that challenges and obstacles don't just stop. And so when we're transparent about how we're still working through things, how we're still growing through things and share a little bit about that, I think it gives that credibility. It opens up the door for then when I come and talk about when I was in your stage, these are things that I had to do. That's not abnormal. It's not that big of a deal. And I do think with these generations of young people and what I'm kind of cautioning uh, mentors, but also cautioning other colleagues, team members, business owners, I think there will come a cycle and a time that I think one of those things we have to become comfortable with is we planted seeds. So we've made some investments. You hope that it comes to be, um, but also all of the learning may not come in this one particular role. They will get it somewhere. 
Um, and I think that kind of it's, it's a faith factor thing for me that takes some of that pressure, that disappointment and that frustration when you feel like just get it um, that they may not get it here. Yeah. But to have confidence that you've planted a seed, you've done all that you can do to be a positive part on that journey. And then you have to kind of let it go. Um, but yeah, you're going to see Kelly fair sweat. You're going to see her lose it a little bit. You're going to see me nervous be- before the things that you thought I never got nervous about. Um, but then you see me push through and still shine in a lot of those instances too. And so I think it, it allows them that space to imagine, oh, okay, if she's still going through it, it's okay for me. Um, so we, we have to be comfortable being transparent and showing some of our scars. <laughs> so you, Kelly fair have built Polished Pebbles, but you have also built a personal brand surrounding your authority in the space of mentorship and so much so that people call you in quotes, the mentor. I mean, really and truly like you are the mentor. Um, You are a public speaker. You have many accolades. You've been given many awards. You're the author of two books. They're all the same girl and every girl is a CEO. So how have you parlayed this personal brand into elevating polished pebbles and 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 how have you elevated polished pebbles because of your personal brand? I mean, these two things go hand in hand, but they yeah. are they are separate entities. It's taken time. They are very much in many ways synonymous, um, which is a great thing. And then at times it's not so great um, because you know one of the things, and I think. It could be a personal thing, but I also think it's a woman thing as well, uh, where I feel like um, I'm not your charity girl. (laughs) I often find myself saying that where, you know, they expect like Polish Pebbles is here. You're going to be there. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. We have team members there that will be there and be comfortable. So and, and they can take care of it and take it to the next level. And, you know, the other thing I think some people think is like polished pebbles when they come up and see me and say, how the girls doing? And I'm just like, they're not 20 girls in my grandmother's basement or in a in a in a library, you know, community room like it was 13 years ago. And so that's when you have to be comfortable to talk about how you grew and how you scaled um, and be unapologetic about it. I think that's one of the things that's important. I think that I work to make sure that I stay in a certain space of humility and authenticity and that mission and work to create a culture here and have team members who have contributed to our culture where we're really grounded about and get excited where we see personal impact, uh, you know, within girls within groups of girls, with our school partners. So I think that that's important. The other part of the story is telling that scaling story. Oh, well, you know, we're in 50 schools this year. Oh, you know, we hit 1,300. Oh, you know, it's about about six or 7,000 girls this year and not be afraid to tell that. And uh, whether that's in social media, whether that's making sure that we're doing posts of all the members on our team that are there. So finding ways to kind of consistently tell people that's a part of Polished Pebbles story as well. So I think that that has done a lot to kind of separate me somewhat from the brand um, where it's so closely linked that people wouldn't let me separate um, and tell that part of the story. So I think that that's important. Um, I think with my personal leadership, I've had to be true and authentic to the stuff that I like. 
I don't like giving all types of talks, but there's some that I just love. And I really love talking and I'm passionate about grooming the next generation of mentors, of youth professionals, of, you know, community uh, organizers, et cetera. And so I really love creating spaces where I can do talks, do master classes on what I've learned, which is something that, again, I had to get unapologetically comfortable with saying, yes, I can do this. And it's been frustrating in this space because sometimes uh, it seems like there's more support for male programs, more support, more respect for male leaders, um, where it's comfortable and it's okay. It's like, oh, you're grinding it out. Okay, we can do all this work and write your own research, do your own marketing, take care of the girls and all these other things. And it's like, but maybe not. And so sometimes you take some hits because the story that I want to tell is a story how we not only have these great impact upon girls and all these success stories, but part of the success story is, oh, well, yeah, no, now we're funded at a city level, a county level, state level, federal level. We've been contractors with the public housing authority, with the public school districts at this level, at that level. That's a part of the story. And you can't leave that out because, again, I'm investing in sustainability of Polish Pebbles, but I'm investing in sustainability that you won't see BIPOC-led organizations, female-led organizations die because, oh, what happened to Kelly Fair? Oh, damn, she got tired. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, that this could be a whole other podcast. And yeah, I, and that's yeah. why I asked that. That's why yeah. I asked this, because I think a lot of founders, when they start something especially as impactful of is something is what you started, you know, they find themselves the face of, of the organization. And that's, that's how I felt with bump club and, you know, but it's so important to your point that you get yourself out of that so that you can work on it. Mm -hmm. And to your point, what you just said was so important. Like we have team members Mm -hmm. and that is so important when you're a founder to recognize that you can have other people lead your mission and, continue with your mission and you don't always have to be the person that's there because when your personal brand is your brand, it, it, it it's real hard to kind of work mm-hmm. on the business. Absolutely. Right. right? Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I, I think so. There's still some stuff that I'm still like climbing, you know, to, to get out of, um, or gosh, I really want to do this or grow it in that way. Um, and it is hard to do. Um, but I think you have to look at separating some time, setting up time separately just to work on those things, and then not feeling guilty about doing it. Um, because what I've seen is, and, I, and I'm very uh, grateful that I have a team and also a board of directors who really support me in that way that say, no, it's a halo effect. So when Kelly Fair continues to move in certain ways, the halo effect comes down to continue to increase the impact of polished pebbles as well. And so they've been very supportive and helping me identify and keeping me aligned with, nope, I see, I can see it growing and, you know, telling me we can see the distinctive difference between the two. Um, so it's a never ending story. And I think something you never stop working with. Uh, but I think the, the biggest thing was sometimes I had to get myself out of the way to not feel bad about it, not feel like I needed to apologize. Um, you know, even things like this was like, nope, I can take no calls. <laughs> right. You know, and also creating a space and an opportunity for those within the organization to say, I won't be here forever. So yeah. who got next? 
<laughs> yep, you know, so and so I'm invested in the internal pipeline within the organization to just create a very intentional space for them to realize it's an opportunity to take over. And I'm comfortable with that too, Lindsay, and I'll close here because there's another level of advocacy that's needed to be for support in this work, whether it's talking about how much we need you to trust female founders, how much we need you to trust uh, uh, female founders of color. Um, Don't just trust me in certain ways and train me, but not train my entire staff. Fund me, put your money where your mouth is if you really trust me and think what I do is so great. You know, so I think there's opportunities for growing at a larger advocacy level. And I'm, you know, preparing myself and doing some work now so that, you know, the next Kelly Fairs and the, do not have to work quite as hard. Don't have to make so many sacrifices to make sure that you can grow your organization, have impact and have it be sustainable as it should be supported. So I have one last question. It's what I wrap mm-hmm. up with everyone on. Okay. And I want you to take off your mentor hat because you are a mentor, but you are also a founder. And I want you to put your founder hat on and I want you to tell the people who are listening that are founders or aspiring founders three things that they could do right now to push their their idea along or what, what can they do to get started? I think one of the things that's important first is you should always be talking about your idea. Um, you know, I, I've always been amazed that people never get tired of the story. Um, so, you, you know, it's just like, God, dog, I don't want to talk about polished pebbles. I don't want to see fuchsia, fuchsia pink anymore, but people want to hear about it mm-hmm. and they don't know it exists. You don't know really who people are if you don't provide the opportunity. So I think talking about your mission, your idea all the time is important too. don't discriminate against who you think can have an impact and who um, you think cannot. Um, I think we often make that mistake. And I learned that a long time ago. I was in the uh, 50 under 50 fellow. and We had this huge debate in, within the fellows about when you walk into a networking room, do you only go to the people that you think can give you the five ten thousand dollars donations? Or do you talk to this guy standing in front of you who seems like he wants to chat and chit chat? And, and a lot of people are like, no, go to the key people that you're targeting, that you're there for. And then you miss opportunities. So I think you should never close yourself off to see who you never know who, what, when, where, and how people can support you. Um, And so I think that that's important. Uh, So don't discriminate. And then three, ooh, ooh, be flexible and learn how to build teams. You know, so I hear so much sometimes even from my own team and just others. And it's just like, well, if they're not going to show up this way and that way, I don't, I, I called them, I emailed them and they didn't email me back. So I wasn't, I wasn't excited about working with them any further. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> you Sometimes you have to groom your team. Sometimes you have to get them ready. Um, so really learning team building skills and how to be flexible and manage and work through relationships with people. Cause those can be the people that build the foundation. Again, don't sleep on who could be the person that helps you move it forth. Um, because you never know how people can show up and support you. And that's if it's for-profit or non-profit. Everybody wants to be a part of a winning team. And if your idea is winning, you better not block people from being a part of supporting you. Um, and I don't do that because I want to win. So unless you're going to hurt me, <laughs> you've done something to demonstrate danger, danger, danger. Come on. <laughs> 
you know, um, and, and I like leaving the door open for people to support you and be a part of you because no founder um, is really that powerful it's if you don't look and see all the other people that are behind them and that are beside them that are down here telling them what to do. I mean, it is a whole community of people that help support you and being a successful founder. So don't block your blessings. Kelly Fair, founder and executive director of Polished Pebbles. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for being here and for setting the stage and really creating the founders, the female founders of our tomorrow and our future, because you have taken on a great responsibility and you are doing an amazing job. So keep up the good work. Thank you. How amazing is Kelly? I am so grateful to have been introduced to her and I'm so thankful to her for making the time to come on and share her stories and her tips and her advice and her wisdom. And I just, I know that she is making such a difference in all of our futures by setting girls and young women up for success as they move through life. So Kelly, thank you for all that you do. Now you know what time it is to take out your pen and paper because Kelly had some incredible takeaways. Here we go. Number one, when you provide the platform, opportunity, motivation, and training, people will show up. Number two, be resourceful. Take any opportunity that comes your way that you can grow from. Kelly wanted a career as a young teenager. She found herself an internship and learned how to work with others, even if it wasn't that glamorous. Number three, I love the mantra from Polished Pebbles, SHINE, which stands for smile, say hello, introduce yourself, nod your head, and end the conversation in the right way. This is the perfect solution for engaging with others successfully and one I think not only many of us can adopt, but also to share with others, especially those younger than us. Number four, transparency and leadership is key. You want to share about what you are working through and how you are growing. It's important to show and share your mistakes. It gives you credibility and skin in the game that life is not perfect. It opens the door to share that mistakes are not abnormal. Number five, your personal brand and your company brand can go hand in hand. You have to be comfortable and unapologetic talking about how you've grown and how you scale. Number six, Be true and authentic to what you like. When you're passionate about something, share it and get out there with that message. Create the space for you to share what you love. Number seven, we have team members. And this is in quotes. Make sure that you are leaning on those team members. I love that Kelly pointed this out. Make sure that you're leaning on them to lead and to continue with your mission. That is why you have them. Number eight, always be talking about your idea. People never get tired of your story. Always be sharing it. People want to hear about it. They won't know who you are unless you tell them. Number nine, don't close yourself off to how people can support you. Don't discriminate. Number 10, be flexible and learn how to build teams. Learn how to work through relationships with people. Number 11, everyone wants to be a part of a winning team. If your idea is winning, don't block people from being a part of that. And number 12, No founder is powerful without the people behind them, besides them, below them, and all around them. It is a whole committee of people who supports a founder to succeed. Thank you so much for being here and for joining us for today's episode of Dear Founder. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure you take out your phone, scroll down and click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us. We have some amazing guests coming up that you are not going to want to miss. So please make sure you hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen so you never miss an episode. 
If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has started a business or who has an amazing idea, please text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Make sure to tag me. I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.